Listener Production. Australia Today's Morning Agenda with Natasha Belling. Good morning. Thanks for your company. Let's check what's making headlines this Friday, the 20th of May. The Prime Minister and Opposition Leader will blitz marginal seats across Australia today in a last-minute bid to sway key votes ahead of tomorrow's federal election. Scott Morrison will be hoping an historically low unemployment rate that was released yesterday will boost his chances of re-election. It's dropped below 4% for the first time since the mid-1970s. But in negative economic news, latest data also released this week shows our wages aren't keeping up with the rising cost of living and skyrocketing inflation. But the PM says keeping people employed is the key to seeing that change. That's how you get wage rises. You get unemployment down and you ensure that businesses can invest for growth so they can pay their workers higher wages. See, Fair Work Australia needs to make decisions about wages. While Labor has unveiled its policy costings, the party planning to spend $7.4 billion more than the coalition if elected tomorrow. It plans to balance that by forecasting more than $11 billion in budget improvements over the same time. Shadow Federal Treasurer Jim Chalmers explaining some of the detail. If you look at that difference between the budgets, you add up training in universities, cleaner and cheaper energy and childcare, which are arguably the three policies that will get us the best bang for buck. Uh, what we are anticipating is that the economic return on those investments will dwarf the investments themselves. Meantime, there are fears thousands of Australians may not be able to vote tomorrow if they've recently tested COVID positive. Lawyers for Victorian Independent Dr Monique Ryan, who is running against Federal Treasurer Josh Frydenberg, will today lodge an application in the Federal Court after the Australian Electoral Commission admitted thousands of people with COVID may not be able to vote. She's seeking to challenge a legality, which means some COVID-positive voters have missed the postal vote deadline, but also cannot access telephone voting. In other news this morning, new charges have been laid against a man accused of murdering schoolgirl Charlize Mutton in the Blue Mountains west of Sydney. The 31-year-old has been charged with a number of firearms offences and is also accused of possessing child abuse material for unrelated matters. The man who's set to appear in court today has maintained his innocence. Aged care workers in Queensland and South Australia will walk off the job today fighting for better pay and conditions. United Workers Union Aged Care Director Caroline Smith says COVID is causing unbearable workloads for employees. The workers are having an incredibly difficult time at the moment. Um, while you know we hear a bit of commentary, particularly from the Prime Minister, that we're just living with COVID, that's just not the situation for workers working long shifts in full PPE. Now let's check what's happening in your state with our reporters on the ground. To WA and St John Ambulance could be given five years to fix its delivery or lose its contract as the state continues to grapple with a health system crisis. Our reporter Emma Griffiths has more from Perth. Yeah, that's right, Tash. A parliamentary inquiry has recommended the state government take control of the flesh if the service doesn't improve. It's also suggested WA Health should consider taking responsibility for answering triple zero calls. But St John's CEO, Michelle Fife is defending her team. We haven't been at business as usual for over two and a half years. When this committee was formed and throughout all of its hearings, we weren't at business as usual. 
Senior police and health department staff are now based at St John's headquarters after two tragic deaths following excessive delays and major staff shortages. While firefighters will today start training to drive ambulances to ease pressure on the system. To New South Wales now, where voluntary euthanasia is legal in the state after a bill passed through Parliament after decades of campaigning. Our reporter Amy Goggins has the details from Sydney. Thanks, Tash. Supporters say compassion has won after the bill passed both the upper and lower house yesterday afternoon. Take a listen. That concludes the consideration in detail and this bill has passed both houses. The bill was first introduced into New South Wales Parliament five years ago and MPs spent the night and a large part of the day discussing over 100 amendments that allow people to choose to end their own life. Chief co-sponsor of the bill, Independent Alex Greenwich, says there is a great sense of relief from the people of the state who have thrown their support behind the change. There has been an inspiring grassroots campaign uh, built on the stories of people who have had horrible and cruel end-of-life experiences who want a compassionate uh, option at the end of their life that this legislation will now provide. The laws are expected to be introduced within 18 months with a new oversight body to be put in place. While critics say it's a dark day for New South Wales, the Catholic Archbishop of Sydney, Reverend Anthony Fisher, saying he's deeply saddened. New South Wales is the last state in Australia to pass voluntary assisted dying laws. Now for the latest in business and finance news, we're joined this morning by Effie Zahos, Editor-at-Large at Canstar. Effie, good morning. Happy Friday. We know the economy has been front and centre during the entire election campaign, especially in the last week because of this critical economic data released, including wages and unemployment figures. So what does this mean for the overall economy and especially interest rates? Uh, look, you're absolutely right. It was a big week for data and it's actually hard to believe that in July, Tash, 2020, we had a jobless rate of 7.5%. And yesterday, it snuck in at just under four, the lowest jobless rate in 48 years. But even though it was at record lows, only 4,000 new jobs were created and that was much softer than what the consensus was. They were expecting a, you know, a 30,000 lift. Now, that figure of 4,000 jobs came about because there were 92,000 full-time jobs created um, as 88,000 part-time jobs stopped. And that could be largely because people were taking on more hours. But here's the nightmare for small businesses, because when you think about how tight our labour market is, they are actually having trouble filling employment spots. And we know that productivity is what brings up wage growth as well. So the wage numbers that came out, they were soft, weren't they? They actually show that real wages were falling by uh, 2.7%. So what does all this mean, as you ask, as far as what the RBA may be thinking now? Well, um, looking at what the economists have come out, they're saying that because we had softer wage numbers, and because the the the, uh, the uh, labour numbers were tight, um, they believe that the RBA may just deliver a business as usual rate hike. That's what CBA is saying of just 0.25% in the June board meeting. Now, if that's the case, remember we had a rate hike in May, another 025 in June. What the average mortgage holder will see is that the repayments in total will be up by at least $140 per month.
Ify, everyone's talking about interest rates, the housing market and also both policies from Labor and the Coalition to fix the housing crisis in our country. What do you think about the concept of accessing your super? And the devil's always in the detail, isn't it? Look, it sure is, Tash, and there's been a lot of noise around this, a lot of confusion. I guess that's what happens when the party comes out so late with something as big as this. Look, it's important to note here that, as you say, the devil is in the detail. As far as the two policies goes, they do not address the main issue, supply to help make affordability. That doesn't happen. This is a Band-Aid solution, but voters have to pick between one or the other. I'm looking more at using your super to buy a home and that's a big thing for me because I know super is a nest egg. What I do like about this is that you must repay it on the sale of your home. A lot of people don't realise that. You make a profit, you also have to put the profit in proportionally back into your super. But what's the problem with that? Well, it could mean if you're a young family and then suddenly you want to upsize, you sell that house, you may find that the equity has been taken up and you've got to give it back to your super fund. You may not be able to upgrade. So the devil's in the detail. Have a good look at it before you actually cast your vote. Um, and there's been a lot of argument that your super is going to fall. Like I said, your money's got to go back into your super. There may be some differences. But at the end of the day, we're talking about diversity here too. If you can have a super and a home, that's not too bad. Absolutely well said. Effie, have a lovely weekend. Thank you. Time for Sport Now with Brett Thomas. And Brett, a massive deal for the AFL Women's League. Yeah, huge. Good morning, Tash. That's right. Uh, More than 40 players will now be earning six figures. Uh, Salaries doubling across the board. Now, this was going on for a while. A massive bugbear of the AFL Women's League wanting to know what's happening because the season has shifted. They will start in August, finished in November rather than running across the heat of summer. Still a 10-week season, so they didn't win there but a massive win in terms of their pay deal. It's been called life-changing and taking home more than a hundred grand for a 10-week tournament isn't bad money. Their ultimate goal is to become the highest paid domestic female footballers in the country. Here is the outgoing AFL CEO, Gillan McLaughlin. It is a deal that demonstrates how much we value the current players and their dedication and commitment to the game and their hard work. And it's a deal that sends a signal to talented young women and girls across the country that we want you to play our game at the highest level. Now, prior to this, they were part-time footballers, but training basically full-time to keep up with the demands of being a professional AFLW footballer. So certainly long overdue being rewarded for that effort that they've they've done in building this competition. Tonight in the AFL, we've got a blockbuster between the Blues and the Swans, both the top four contenders. Their coach, Michael Voss, says it presents a fierce challenge. Yeah, we understand the challenge that's ahead of us. I think over the last month, we've steadily been building. Like anything, when you come up against pretty quality opposition, They'll test it, so we uh, we're looking forward to see how we go against some you know some higher speed and some higher intensity, and see whether we can stand up in those big moments. Yeah, Carlton off to their best start to a season Tash since 1996. Yeah, Brett, massive weekend ahead, not just with the election, but also on the sporting field across the country. And the Broncos are up and about this morning. 
Yeah, if we had an opinion poll, Kevin Walters would be certainly <laughs> rating highly. In fact, I think a lot of people in Queensland would vote for him for PM if he was running because he has got the Broncos into the top four temporarily. Of course, other results to come tonight and across the weekend. Five in a row now they've won, first time since 2017, and they lost their skipper Adam Reynolds before kickoff. Selwyn Cobbo, phenomenal. Katoni Staggs may have played their way into origin jerseys, and uh, Kevy says everyone played a role. These guys are the ones that are driving it, you know, showing up. We weren't so great tonight in our first half, but the second half we uh, the boys come together and finished off well, so they're a pretty happy group at the moment. And in the A-League, we've got to semi-final action across the weekend. Melbourne victory, Western United tomorrow night. Victory holds a 1-0 lead after the first leg of their semi, and then Melbourne City, Adelaide United on Sunday night. That semi-final tied up at nil all. Massive weekend ahead. Thanks so much, Brett. Thank you, Tash. And a royal premiere for Tom Cruise's new Top Gun movie. The Hollywood superstar stepping out in style on the red carpet in London with Prince William and Kate. It's wonderful that they're here. You know, I I really admire what they do for their country and how much they care. We have a lot in common. We love their country. We're both aviators. We love movies. And uh, I just, you know, for me, I want them to come and just have a wonderful evening. Prince William is reportedly a massive fan of the original 1980s movie, already enjoying a special screening of the new blockbuster with Kate before the official premiere. And that's all you need to know to start your day with Australia Today's morning agenda in your podcast feed from 6.30am every weekday morning. And to get your latest election news and analysis before election day tomorrow, you can go to the listener app, head to the Discover tab and click on Your Vote 22. I'm Natasha Belling. Thanks so much for your company. Have a great day and a lovely weekend. We'll see you bright and early on Monday. Listener.